G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Well, as we do on a Monday, we like to check on the uh, political agenda for the coming week. And our pleasure once again to welcome Martin Niles, the Managing Director of the Australian Christian Lobby, back with us. Hi, Martin. Welcome back. G'day, Neil. Good to be back. Hey, Martin, you're in self-isolation today, back from the States and doing the mandatory 14 days, a little bit like solitary confinement, and uh, you've got an apartment in Canberra. How are you feeling right now? Oh, mate, if this is day, what, day three, day two, I can't remember, but um, it's, it's not as easy as it sounds, Neil. It turns out, especially <laughs> if you've got a an apartment that you live in and therefore no backyard. So I'm making use of my balcony, but uh, it's a small space to exist in for 14 days. And I'm someone who, you know, really likes to be up and out and about and uh, to be sitting in a room for this long is challenging. But, you know, it's um, more opportunities, I guess, to sit and focus and read and think and meditate and know that's a bad thing. Jesus did it. Um, and I've also been really impressed by the number of people who have just been uh, cautious to make sure that I have everything I need. Um, even people I don't really know have just sort of said, look, if you need anything, let me know. Uh, so that's really kind, and I'm grateful for that. So, you know, you see things that perhaps you wouldn't otherwise see. You've always got to look at the silver lining. Well, no doubt, you know, having something to eat is going to be important for you, and uh, hopefully you've got a, a nicely fully packed fridge. Uh, but uh, yes. getting a, a bit of an exercise regime, when you do go into this sort of self-isolation, there's a whole bunch of things you've got to work on here, haven't you? You've got to get a, a few routines in place. Oh, yeah, you'll go nuts otherwise. Uh, and also the, the night will blend into day and uh, it'll all become a disaster. So I do have a rowing machine in the uh, here with me, um, which is uh, I haven't used for a little while. I used to use it a lot, so I'm getting back into that. Uh, I do have sunlight on my yeah. balcony um, and uh, I do have uh, video conferencing and social media to keep in touch with the world. So uh, it's all just a matter of uh, discipline. And funnily enough, the less you do, the harder it is to discipline yourself. Yeah. It's much easier for me when I'm out on the road going at a million miles an hour. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you're forced into it. So, uh, yeah. Well, this is the thing with our technology. You're still well connected and well across the developments that have been happening, especially around uh, the, uh, the, you know, the church, uh, the idea that uh, non-essential services have been shut down and churches have gone through a major transition just this past weekend. Churches that have never streamed a service before in their lives, they've been scrambling to have the right technology to actually make that happen. And uh, I don't know what you've heard, but uh, from what I've been hearing, it's, it seems to have worked very successfully. Oh, I was really impressed. Uh, you know, Sunday morning there was church services everywhere. I mean, it was... It's almost like a pick and mix, <laughs> if you want to, <laughs> on social media, on Facebook and everything. I think it's great. I actually was reflecting on this, and um, I know some pastors might be a bit anxious, you know, what people are even come back to church after all this and finding out that online uh, is a lot of fun, etc. But there's a good side of this, which is that, you know, if we flood the internet more and more with the gospel, with Christian content, with uh, what it really looks like on the inside of the church building, uh, and then with all of those recordings being left up on the web afterwards, and, and, and a great big bank of this stuff building over time. 
I think to myself, that's surely um, an excellent opportunity. There's so many people with time on their hands at the moment, so many people bored, and there's so much good content being put out. I think a lot of people will discover this over the next few months, which is a really, really good thing. I absolutely agree, and especially with the power of social media and the idea that you might have a link to your church service that, as you say, is still up online. It's probably on your church website where you can simply copy and paste that and you can send that to all of your social media contacts and say, uh, have a listen into this. You might not have been to church for a while, but here's your opportunity to reconnect. It really creates an, a huge opportunity, Martin. Mm. Oh, absolutely, without a doubt. And I always say to people, look, young people are not watching television. Young people are not engaging with the usual forms of media that we engage with. What they are engaging with is YouTube, most of all, but they're also engaging with their Facebook and Instagram and other feeds. And, um, you know, all it takes is um, uh, the algorithm on one of these social media websites to say, hey, you might be interested in this, which happens all the time. And they go, oh, what's that click? And I think with all the talk out there of how bad Christians are and how dangerous churches are, it's such a great opportunity for people to actually see a church and go, oh, this is not what I expected. Uh, or to hear the gospel and go, what's this all about? Um, and then perhaps to continue to listen and find more material. I know quite a few people, well, not quite a few, I know several people who were genuinely converted simply through finding online materials uh, of a Christian nature, and that was their only contact uh, for some time. So it's a great opportunity. I, I'm, I'm very optimistic, and perhaps that's something to add to the prayer list. Hey, Martin, we talk about churches. Uh, the government shut down, uh, considered non-essential services, uh, but there are some industries that are finding some loopholes, a bit of an inconsistency that had developed. I'm not sure what the latest is, but uh, non-essential services like uh, Crown Casino in Victoria with some sort of special exemption. How do you think that happens? Mm. Oh, I think that happened because somebody with a lot of money and uh, uh, the mobile phone number of some powerful people uh, put in a request at the right time. Um, so that's a real shame. I think this says something to us about um, our priorities as a society. I mean, I, I'm disappointed to see across the world, you know, when they say, let's shut down non-essential services. You know, you always see churches right up the top of the list. Uh, and I think to myself, mm, you know, I, I get what they're saying, but uh, it's a shame that, that that's there front and centre. But there's a whole lot of things that are forgotten. Uh, And, you know, you get Crown Casino, for example, that isn't on the list. Why? Well, unfortunately, there's a priority issue. It's economic, it's relationships, it's uh, big businessmen who have, you know, the right contacts, etc. But, you know, you've also got the other side of the coin, which is that people conveniently don't bother mentioning a whole bunch of things that go on in our community, like brothels, for example, uh, like abortion clinics, like as if these places don't really exist and we're just going to forget about them. Uh, you know, specific clarification was given as to whether beauty salons and hairdressers would be allowed to be open, but no specific clarification on these things because we pretend that they're not there. So I think it's an interesting study for me, looking at what's announced and what's not announced, to see where do our priorities lie. Um, and it's, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's a shame, but um, fortunately as the church, there is this silver lining, right? And we can... Uh, uh, we can continue to, to, to do good things, even even with the change of circumstances. Uh, when you mention brothels or abortion clinics, uh, some are going to come up with, in the next next breath, the idea of even dating apps, uh, some which are more renowned to be uh, hook-up sites than others, and uh, even those create all sorts of uh, con- concerns, don't they? 
Well, they do. And uh, I look, it's, it's an interesting time to be able to, um, to draw attention to that uh, about what is going on. And, and as I say, you, you won't get people talking about it because people don't want to draw attention to these things. Uh, it's just uh, it's interesting how that it gets swept under the rug. I mean, in the US, for example, there's calls for the abortion clinics to shut because they're not essential health care. Um, and there's only, I think, one state so far that's actually put out that edict that said, well, yes, abortion clinics should shut. Everyone else conveniently turns a blind eye. Um, and so, you know, there are things that could be done, in my view, that would be not only good for the coronavirus control, but would also be morally good. Um, and uh, look, there are groups that are raising a voice around that, and ACL will be doing some media on some of those things this week. So, you know, opportunity strikes again. Martin, you've been writing a few things just these past 24, 48 hours, uh, things that go a little deeper than some of the sorts of concerns that we're seeing on television as things are unfolding and changing almost hourly. But uh, when we start to look a little deeper, you've been reflecting on some lessons that we can learn about the Chinese Communist Party from COVID-19. What sort of things have you been focusing on? Well, uh, this is, uh, I think this is an important moment for us. Uh, I was um, doing some research, I think, on Australia's uh, economic success over the last few decades, and it's quite remarkable. Um, and you see us right up there sort of in roughly the top 10 countries by GDP, despite having a tiny population. I mean, we're fabulously successful and wealthy. And one of the things I think that's coming to the fore more and more is the fact that we're only this successful and wealthy because of China. And does that matter? Is that a problem? And, and my, my view is certainly because we have seen, particularly in the last few years, a number of very serious red flags uh, about the Chinese Communist Party. I mean, you look at their persecution of Christians and religious minorities, and that's quite startling when you start to peel back the truth on that issue, the way they deal with political dissidents. But now we've seen the way they've dealt with this coronavirus issue, which actually has led to a global pandemic in which thousands are dying. Um, and, and it could get a lot, lot worse from here. And that was because they suppressed the truth about this. And, uh, you know, I was reflecting online about the fact that when you have a government that decides what's true, you're always going to have disaster and pain that follows. You know, the official position, for example, of the Soviet Union during Chernobyl was that a nuclear disaster of that size is not possible in the Soviet Union. Therefore, it hasn't happened. Uh, and, of course, actually embarrassment in the eyes of the world became a bigger concern after a while, and they did something about it, but people died. And you see the same thing in China. You know, it's not possible that this is happening. It isn't happening. And the whistleblower, a young Christian doctor, was arrested uh, for spreading rumours, i.e. spreading a truth that the Communist Party says can't be the case. Um, and, uh, and, and eventually it became unavoidable because the world was going to see it and they were going to be embarrassed, and so they had to admit it. And I looked at Taiwan, and, you know, Taiwan's been the great success story in this coronavirus thing. They have, they have hundreds of thousands of people passing between Taiwan and China every month, direct flights to every capital city in China. And yet they have not had a pandemic. They've brought it straight under control, and they did so swiftly. And the reason is because Taiwan admits the truth about China. Taiwan did not wait for the truth. Taiwan just heard the lies and straight away said, aha, there's something more to this than meets the eye. We're going to take serious action very early. And they did, and they succeeded for it. But I sit here and I look at this and I think, here's a party that will lie no matter what, and it will only stop lying when it, it becomes, um, when it's going to be shamed in the eyes of the world. It doesn't matter whether it's citizens die, which they have, 
It doesn't matter whether citizens of other countries die, which they have. It doesn't matter about the global community. No, no, it's all about political interests. And you sit there and you go, we cannot be close to these people. We cannot take their money. You know, do what in Revelation it talks about, you know, the sins of Babylon, which are economic prosperity off of other people's sins. And I really, really think that it's time that in Australia we examine this Achilles heel of ours and realise that being this close to China is dangerous. It's globally dangerous. Uh, and this is a government and a party that uh, is not going to serve the global community well. And actually, ultimately, by being a part of their rise and their growth, we're going to be complicit in whatever happens next. So, you know, I've been pointing that out, and that's something that a lot of people are concerned about. And I think it's something we ought to be concerned about. But also, it's a great reminder to us that when the state gets too big, when the state doesn't believe in God anymore, and the state believes that it's going to decide what's true, uh, and God's truth doesn't matter, but, but its truth is the only thing that matters, you'll always get pain and disaster. And it's a, it's a nice little warning for us uh, not to uh, not to let the government get too big, but also a nice remor- warning to us that, um, you know, Caesar is not the only power in town. The government's not the only power in town. God is on the throne, and the government is God's servant. And, um, you know, we forget that at our peril, and I think that as Christians we need to continue saying that, reminding our fellow Australians of that, because when the government becomes the only power... It decides what's true, and you're going to deal with a lot of pain as a result. So we've got to be different to China, but also we have to be wary of China. I think there's a lot of work to be done um, on uh, exposing more truth about what China is doing. And I think the Australian economy is slowly drifting away from dependence on China wherever possible. Well, what a great way to talk about how the context of government works. When you have a government that acknowledges God, then there's a certain integrity that automatically comes into play because truth becomes not something that's arbitrary but becomes dependent on truth under God but if you have a government and then even individual leaders who separate themselves from this idea of there's a God who is above my government uh, then all of a sudden you're on shaky ground so we're a great Absolutely. way to talk about that wonderful uh, Martin of course uh, another issue quickly just to raise uh, coming from Tasmania where Mike Gaffney uh, continues to push assisted suicide in the crisis. Uh, no doubt there's something important and uh, a, a bigger question in all of this, that uh, what governments might well be pushing through while coronavirus takes all the headlines, but uh, Tasmania pushing on with this idea of assisted suicide. Yes, it's not surprising, you know. It's is a classic uh, activist technique, and um, I thought a few days ago it'll be interesting, amidst all the chaos around coronavirus and the fact that the media headlines are uh, full and there's no space to report on things and there's no quietness to lobby on things. It's all this noise about global pandemic. Who's going to push what cause? And uh, sure enough, Mike Gaffney, uh, the uh, member of the upper house in Tasmania, an independent member, has come along and said, well, in the middle of it all, regardless of the crisis, going to bring in a private member's bill to legislate euthanasia in the state. Now, That's uh, predictable because uh, activist causes are always pushed for, no matter what the circumstances, but it's opportunistic. And what it does is it makes it a lot harder for us to campaign. So I want people to be attuned to ACL's campaign on this, be signed up to our emails, be checking our website, because it's going to be very difficult to get media time on the issue. It's going to be very difficult for us. We're not going to be able to get uh, our staff down there to run a campaign on the ground because of the travel restrictions. 
And so it's really going to rely on people taking up the cause and sending emails and making phone calls to make their voice heard despite all of the other noise. So that's probably the, the, the call that I put out on that one. Uh, and it just shows us that this is a typical political playbook, and I'm sure it's not, it's not the first. Um, it won't be the last of these sorts of things to happen over the next few months. Uh, we'll give that website in just a few moments, uh, the ACL website, acl.org.au. I'll say it again in a moment too. Just one quick one before I let you go, Martin. Yes. Uh, coming back to the COVID-19 coronavirus, uh, schools, uh, we know that in Victoria they're going to be uh, sending the kids home from tomorrow, and I think that's also happening in the ACT. Uh, others are going to be remaining uh, at school and, uh, you know, perhaps uh, through the school holidays and then a review after the holidays as to, or, to whether everyone goes back. Uh, one of those issues that has come to light though with kids going home and uh, the idea that there might be some sort of online curriculum that kids might be learning while they're at home. It was one listener uh, who uh, raised a concern with regard to uh, they've withdrawn their son, in fact, from a Catholic primary school in WA, and he's currently in year two, and they've requested study resources from the school. So they were given access to the Seesaw app being used by the school, and to their horror, there's gender fluidity material on one of the activities. And uh, they named a book, uh, Jacob's New Dress, as one that was great concern. So uh, when we talk about, you know, not letting go of some of these issues around the fact that there are crisis headlines, I imagine that parents might need to look a little carefully at, at what their children are going to be learning in any uh, online at-home learning resources. Any mm -hmm. thoughts here quickly just before I let you go? Yeah, look, I would say if you're a parent in that circumstance, do not be shy about raising that concern with the school and talk to other parents that you're friends with straight away and get them to do the same because there's strength in numbers and there's confidence in numbers. People can often be a little bit shy and retiring about this, but I have seen so many circumstances where somebody who's well-researched, briefed up a little bit, done a bit of looking around, understands the issue, goes to the school and says, listen, this is a problem, I don't like it. And by the way, there's these other seven parents as well and we can get others too, and it makes a change. So there's an opportunity to raise your voice. But I think, Neil, the other one is that, yes, with the internet, it is a dangerous, dangerous thing. Uh, and, and leaving kids online and so on and so on. I cannot under, understate that. I grew up in the internet generation. And, you know, we know better than anybody that the internet is full of darkness and bad things. And so if you're a parent and your child is at home, for heaven's sake, supervise them. There's pornography there, there's uh, dark web issues there, there's peer-to-peer -peer file sharing, there's stuff you don't understand, um, which your kids can understand and get into. So just watch them, monitor them, have parental controls on the computer, and yes, even look at the curriculum materials that they're, that they're going through. It's a, it's a big burden for a parent, but it's just got to be done. We live in that age, unfortunately, in which there's dangers everywhere, and uh, look, I it's a concern to me that many children are at home uh, on the computer all day long and you just don't know um, where some of that will go. So uh, a great obligation on parents to, uh, to be vigilant uh, in that area. And hey, maybe an opportunity for many parents to spend more time with their children, which again, uh, in the long run, probably isn't a bad thing. 
Well, Matt Niles, you're self-isolating. I hope you've surrounded yourself with a few extra luxuries. And, you know, we're all picturing you today uh, talking to us from your apartment and you're still wearing your pyjamas. Let me encourage you. You know, it's time <laughs> to get changed. Not <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's great getting an update. And uh, I know you're going to keep your finger on the pulse and uh, look forward to uh, talking some more yeah. over these issues. Let me point <laughs> listeners to acl.org.au acl.org.au things are not slowing down just because the chief is in self-isolation martin thanks for being with us today on 2020 thank you again neil thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from vision christian media to find out more about us go to vision.org.au